peculiar satisfaction. She read it through twice before replying to the landlady. Well, Mrs. Pine, I think you'll be sorry for what you said. This is from a manager asking me to be there with evening dress at ten o'clock next Saturday morning. But the landlady was too quick for her. She pounced, secured the letter. Oh, is it? Is it indeed? she cried. Give me back that letter. Give it back to me at once, you bad, wicked woman, cried Miss Moss, who could not get out of bed because her nightdress was slit down the back. Give me back my private letter. The landlady began slowly backing out of the room, holding the letter to her buttoned bodice. So it's come to this, has it? said she. Well, Miss Moss, if I don't get my rent at eight o'clock tonight, we'll see who's a bad, wicked woman, that's all. Here she nodded mysteriously. And I'll keep this letter. Here her voice rose. It will be a pretty little bit of evidence. And here it fell, sepulchral. My lady. The door banged, and Miss Moss was alone. She flung off the bedclothes, and sitting by the side of the bed, furious and shivering, she stared at her fat white legs with their great knots of greeny-blue veins. Cockroach! That's what she is! She's a cockroach! said Miss Moss. I could have her up for snatching my letter. I'm sure I could. Still keeping on her nightdress, she began to drag on her clothes. Oh, if I could only pay that woman! I'd give her a piece of my mind that she wouldn't forget. I'd tell her off proper. She went over to the chest of drawers for a safety pin, and seeing herself in the glass, she gave a vague smile and shook her head. Well, old girl, she murmured, you're up against it this time, and no mistake. But the person in the glass made an ugly face at her. You silly thing, scolded Miss Moss. Now what's the good of crying? You'll only make your nose red. No, you get dressed and go out and try your luck. That's what you've got to do. She unhooked her vanity bag from the bedpost, rooted in it, shook it, turned it inside out. I'll have a nice cup of tea at an ABC to settle me before I go anywhere, she decided. I've got one and threepence. Yes, just one and three. Ten minutes later, a stout lady in blue serge with a bunch of artificial palmers at her bosom, a black hat covered with purple pansies, white gloves, boots with white uppers, and a vanity bag containing one and three, sang in a low contralto voice. Sweetheart, remember when days are forlorn, it always is darkest before the dawn but the person in the glass made a face at her, and Miss Moss went out. There were grey crabs all the way down the street, slopping water over grey stone steps. With his strange hawking cry and the jangle of the cans, the milk boy went his rounds. Outside Britweiler's Swiss house, he made a splash, and an old brown cat without a tail appeared from nowhere and began greedily and silently drinking up the spill. It gave Miss Moss a queer feeling to watch. A sinking, as you might say. But when she came to the ABC, she found the door propped open. A man went in and out carrying trays of rolls, 
and there was nobody inside except a waitress doing her hair and the cashier unlocking the cash boxes. She stood in the middle of the floor, but neither of them saw her. My boy came home last night, sang the waitress. Oh, I say, how topping for you, gurgled the cashier. Yes, wasn't it, sang the waitress. He bought me a sweet little brooch. Look, it's got Dieppe written on it. The cashier ran across to look and put her arm round the waitress's neck. Oh, I say, how topping for you. Yes, isn't it, said the waitress. Oh, oh, he is brown. Hello, I said. Hello, old mahogany. Oh, I say, gurgled the cashier, running back into her cage and nearly bumping into Miss Moss on the way. You are a treat. Then the man with the rolls came in again, swerving past her. Can I have a cup of tea, miss?